The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. We worship you. We love you, God, because you loved us first. You demonstrated your love to us, God. You didn't just say it. You gave your son up for us. He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised up again for our justification. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to us who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak, God sent his son in likeness of flesh to come and redeem us from sin so that the righteousness of the law can be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh father we thank you god for freedom thank you god for liberty thank you god because you can lift up our hands thank you god because we're in a nation where we can worship you god where we're not the underground church father we bless you god we don't take it for granted thank you god for the house this indeed is a great house Thank you for the honor, O oh God, you've granted me to stand behind this platform, behind this podium, to declare the unsearchable riches of Christ. Father, we thank you for the unction and the anointing, O oh God, upon you, you O oh God, and upon your word, and upon your people, and upon me, as I discharge your word this morning. Father, we thank you, O oh God. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated, please. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I I want to thank God for Pastor. He is a dynamic man of God. He is a friend. Amen. We met a few years ago and I thank God for his spirit. When I see him, one thing that comes to my mind is that scripture that says your gentleness has made me great. Because I tie up the word gentleness and greatness. I connect them together when I see him. Because he doesn't make a lot of noise. But there's so much power. There's so much life that is released through him when you interact with him one-on-one. I enjoy my one-on-one interaction with him than when he speaks from the pulpit. Because he has a pastor's heart. And thank God because you're under the ministry of not just a pastor, but an apostle. Amen. Please put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I, I thank God for the prophetic office or the prophetic ministry. And as I look at this church, I see a prophetic church. A church that is in the new New wine. You can't put new wine, amen, in old wine skin. Amen. If not, you destroy the men, the potency, you destroy the life of the of the of the vessel. Amen. You waste it. You can also put old wine, amen, in new wine skin. Vice versa. You can't put you can't stitch amen uh, old cloth to a new one because they'll be wasted. So I thank God for the new anointing. That is in this house. I refer to your church as a new wine church. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Because we don't have a lot of churches that are new wine. There's such a freshness here. I see such skill. I see the anointing again mixing with the skills. Hallelujah. You don't elevate one above the other. So I thank God for the spirit of excellence in the house. And I want to thank God for Pastor Dami. This is the first time I'm really interacting with you. And I thank God for you standing with my friend to make him a great man. Hallelujah. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. We give him praise. I also want to thank God for the church that has released me to be here. I pastor a church in America in Boston, Massachusetts called City on the Hill Center. And I'm married to one wife, Pastor Inki Olaiwole, who is also a pastor like me. Uh, when we met a few years ago, she was pastoring the Sovereign Army um, Christian Fellowship in University of Lagos. She was the pioneer pastor. And um, they grew from about, they were about 10 when they started. And within one year, they were about 1,000 people. So it was phenomenal growth. And um, one thing that I prayed for is I wanted somebody who would not take from me, amen, but amen, I'll be able to release into her, and she will also release to me. And thank God because we've, we have that kind of symbiotic relationship where I pull from her and she pulls from me. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I have a word that I want to share with us this morning. Um, I'll try and keep to time. I want us to look at three scriptures. There's one thing that I learned from a prophet called Maurice Cerullo. He said, all truth is parallel. In a sense that when you look at natural events, you can connect them to spiritual truths. That you can't just focus on the spirit and not see the natural correlation and connection. When you see, when you look around us and see the natural things around us, there's always a connection and an explanation in the spirit. Billy Graham put it this way also. He said, when we are spiritual, we are like people who swim in the deep waters. That every now and then, we've got to put our head in the water. And then also we need to lift up our heads to breathe. So really, indeed, when we look around us, we see so many events. We hear about the plagues, the Ebola plagues, amen, the Boko Haram, amen, uh, uh, scourge, and all the different things that are around us. Ukraine, the problem in Ukraine, the vanishing of an aircraft from, from, from I mean, where, you, where they can't even see any trace, and different things that are happening all around us. The situation in, in um, Turkey, the ISIS um, situation and so on and so so forth. Now we we look up and we see all this, and then like the swimmer, we go down and we see a connection from the Word of God that interprets these events around us, so that we are not in the dark, we are not blind, because we need to be able to see. You see, Jesus when he began his discourse. In Matthew 24, the Bible says that the disciples were looking at the temple. And they said, this temple is so beautiful. They were admiring the temple. And Jesus Christ was like, he nudged them and said, don't focus on the natural things. 
Don't get preoccupied and obsessed with the natural things. Don't let the natural things fascinate you where you lose sight of the spirit. You are a spiritual man. You are spiritual people. He said, this building that you see, amen, very soon it will cease to exist. Not one stone will be left to, uh, to the, uh, on top of the other. And then he said, take heed that you don't be deceived. Take it means be careful, pay attention, pay close attention, look, observe. Look around you. See the correlation. See the connection with scripture. You see him say, take heed how you hear. For with what measure you give to thought and study is the same measure of knowledge and virtue that comes back to you in accordance. That means that you are the one who determines the proportion, amen, of knowledge, of virtue that flows back to you. Hallelujah. Because you take heed. Paul, speaking time and time again, tells his protege, amen, take heed. Be careful. Amen? Pay attention. Because if we don't pay attention, what happens? We get, into, we, we get destroyed. In the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, the Bible says we should take close attention. He says we ought to pay attention to these words. Lest at any time we should let them sleep. Hebrews 2 verse 1. For if the word which was spoken by angels was steadfast. And every act of disobedience received instant judgment. He says pay attention that you don't be deceived. And what it really means in the original is like when you see a sheep burden in a place and then the captain throws the anchor into the deep sea into the sea <clears throat> and then what happens if it happens to be that the captain is not careful and the anchor does not touch the seabed what happens it begins to drift when the wind comes so paul was saying therefore pay attention to the things that you are hearing because if you don't pay attention, you begin to drift and drift and drift until you drift into, amen, oblivion. And you, you, you drift into where your life does not have any meaning. The Bible says that we should pay very close attention because in the last days, many will give heed to seducing spirits and to doctrines of devils. And we are seeing many, many doctrines of devils today in our time so the church that triumphs the church that overcomes is a church that listens a friend of mine took a journey um took a tour of the mediterranean that whole area and the guide was showing her the different places where where um, in the book of Revelation, the different places that had those churches. And she happened to go into one of those churches, those seven churches in the book of Revelation that Jesus Christ, uh, you know, spoke to John about. Now, those churches, she went into one of those churches and it had become a monument. One of them had maybe two or three people worshipping on a Sunday. Those churches were alive in those days, but slowly 
it had drifted into being nonsensical. We need to pay very close attention. Do you know that as powerful as those churches were, and they become nothing but monuments today, do you know that it can be possible for our country, that is a Christian country, to become like that? In the, in the modern world, there are many countries they call post-Christian. In other words, we have passed that long time ago. You mean you still believe that? That's the, that's the, the attitude. And so, we need to be very, very careful Especially when we are in a house like this. In a great house, there are all kinds of vessels. This is a great house. And so much truth is being released from here. We need to take advantage of it. The Bible says every single day, examine yourself. Pay close attention to yourself. If you are in the faith, if you are still working in the faith, if your faith is still working. Amen? Jesus Christ says in the book of, um, I think in the book of John, he says, except the corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. Amen. But when he dies, Bible says that he produces. So thank God for the spirit of death. That as we die to ourselves, we live unto him. Looking at natural things that we can extract spiritual, spiritual truth from. I want to share a story. But let me use this scripture as an anchor. The book of Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51 verse 17 or verse 14 rather hallelujah verse 16 let me read verse 16 because of our time I have put my words in your mouth I have covered you in the shadow of my hands that I may plant the heavens and I will lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, you are my people. I put my words in your mouth. You will plant the heavens. You will establish. You will reestablish. You will arrange. You will rearrange. You will decree. You will establish. You will change the natural sequence of things. You will affect nations. You will affect your community. You will be a trailblazer. You will be a pioneer. You create things that have not been created. And I will create the, the words, the fruits of your lips. So I put my words in your mouth. Not just to get a breakthrough, but to plant the heavens. So there are things that have to be planted. There are things that will be planted in your life today. Hallelujah. I went for a meeting yesterday, and it was uh, with the old boys of my secondary school, Federal Government College, Port Harcourt. And when I got to the meeting, people were sharing. They just, the person next to me was the next person to talk about the things that he experienced while he was in school, especially the pranks that they played and all the kind, all the you know, all kinds of things that they did in school. It was a time for fun. We were just reminiscing about the past. And so the guy next to me had spoken for a long time. I just arrived there, and so it was now my turn. And everybody was excited. Speak, speak. And I said, you know what? It's not time yet. Please, just give me, give me some time. Maybe next time I come. But you see, they were excited for me to speak because they know I had a real experience. Amen? They, they know I had something to say. But thank God for the change. 
Thank God. You see, the greatest miracle is the miracle of a changed life. I thank God for creative miracles. It says, you shall plant the heavens. I thank God because short legs are going to be stretching out. Things will begin to happen in our time. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, it says, the Lord shall be wrought as in the valley of Gibeon, amen, as in Perazim, that he may walk a walk, he might do a strange walk, and he might do a strange thing, a strange act. I believe that we are living in a time when God would do strange walks and strange things. Can you remember, let me, let me bring, bring you back a little and move you forward. Can you remember that when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, the Bible says that there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Look at, imagine the statistics. Over two million people came out of Egypt. Not one feeble person came out of Egypt. And we live in a time when the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the mediator of a better covenant. They had a covenant. But that covenant that they had, the Bible says, it was so powerful, it was so strong, that two million people, there was not one feeble person. How much more we who live in this time that have better promises and better covenant, you know what? There should be no feeble person in the church. There should be no feeble person in our house. Can I hear an amen? Because the way God operates is by covenant. And when you enter into this covenant, is unilateral, is bilateral. When you enter into this covenant, you say, you know what, all that I have is yours and all that you have is mine. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 19 says, all things are yours. The Bible says, behold, all things, I make all things new. Hallelujah. The prodigal son, we talk about the prodigal son. Amen. And we've made so many stories about the prodigal son. The one who took all that was apportioned to him and he went on a strange journey. And he squandered everything that was given to him. Amen. And then he began to eat the food that was, you know, pig's food. And then he began to spend his money. He spent his money on riotous living. And then he had nothing left. Amen. And he began to eat food offered to, to pigs. And the Bible says one day he came to himself and said, I, I will go back to my father's house. At least the hired servants in my father's house are living better than this. And then he went back. But the Bible says when he was a far, far off, his father began to run. That's the father's love towards him. Because the father was watching, taking heed, paying attention. Looking forward to that day when his son will come back home. The father never gave up. I love that song. His eyes are on the sparrow. His father never gave up. Which means that even when that boy was taking one step, the father had taken five steps before the boy even appeared physically. Because the father was looking. He never gives up on you. When you, when you are down, God never gives up on you. His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. As high as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are his thoughts above our thoughts and his ways above our ways. You see, God's thoughts, you need to stretch towards them because they are not like yours. 
Now, this father was running towards the son while the son was walking towards him. And then the Bible says that his brother saw the festivity. He heard the sound of music and all that. And the Bible says that he did not go to the house. He said, what is this? And then he found out that it was the father making merriment for his brother. And the Bible says he did not go to the house. The father had to plead with him. But he had a bombshell in his father's remark to him. He said, son, why are you so angry? All that I have has always been yours. You've always been around me. Now this rascal, even though he did not have the moral uprightness, but yet he knew how to work in covenant. He knew how to take advantage of what was his. He was bold. He was aggressive. He knew what was available to him and he took advantage. But you, being moral, you, working in your own righteousness, that is a filthy rag, you do not know how to take hold of your promise. How many people are in church today who know everything, who say so many things, who declare, who are excited, when they leave the church, amen? What happens when the trials come? They go down. Why? Because they only just mentally assented to the word. They didn't receive it in the spirit. You see, the words that are spoken, the words are spirit. They are spiritual words. When you, when you read the Bible, you see this terminology used time and time again. It says, the word which was spoken to them. Bible says, it did not profit them. You see the word profit. Amen? Profit. That means that you must, it's accounting. You see this word also, reckon. Reckon yourself. That's an accounting terminology. It says, the word which, which they had did not profit them. It did not bring advancement. Didn't bring growth. Didn't bring productivity. Didn't bring multiplication. Why? Because it did not mix the word with faith. It says the flesh does not profit anything. The spirit of God quickens. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. It says bodily exercise profits, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So you see, you hear profit. God wants us to profit. Paul spoke to Timothy. He said, give your, meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them so that your profiting shall appear unto all. Your profiting. God wants your profiting not just to live in the realm of the spirit, but he wants your profiting to appear unto all. Where people see the effect of, your, of the word, the effect of God's word operating, energizing, activating, and being expressed through you. Bible calls Jesus the express image of God's person, the brightness of God's glory. One version says he's the effulgence of God. You know about Andrew Liver Salt. He is the effulgence of God. He is the physical expression of a true and living God. No wonder he says to Philip, 
Philip said, show us the Father, and that sufficed us. And he said, how can you speak like that, Philip? I've been with you all these years. Don't you know that he that has seen me has seen the Father? Because I'm a living expression of the Father. And the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. So we ought to, ought to be living expressions of God. Where we can say to our world, he that has seen us, has seen God. Because if God were to be on the earth physically, he would not do anything less than we are doing. Hallelujah. Because the word of God is profitable unto all things, is working in us. I love the church in Thessalonica where Paul was speaking to this church. And he said, the words that I spoke to you, he says, they were not the words of man. I didn't receive it from man. He said, these words I received from the Spirit. Amen? And then he says to us, that same First Thessalonians 1, from verse 7. He said, these words, I've spoken these words to you. I don't need to say, say anything much. Because people from Macedonia to Achaia have seen the word of God and the effect of God's word in your life. For we have dealt with you not like mere men. The words that we've spoken to you has worked in your life so that we don't need to testify about you and about the effect of God's word in your life. That even as you live, it's obvious by your lifestyle, by your mentality, by your demeanor, your countenance, that you are waiting for the coming of the Messiah. You know one thing I say about my generation? is that there's so much distorted truth. There's so much perverted truth. There's so much knowledge, but is it usable? Is it retrievable? Somebody says, you can be spiritual and you might not be emotional. Or you can be emotional and not spiritual. But if you are truly spiritual, you will be emotional too. You will have emotions. Look at David. David knew how to weep. And he knew how to weep at the drop of the heart. And he knew also how to rejoice. Amen. When they were moving the, the, the ark. And the Bible says he danced out of his clothes. Jesus Christ could rejoice when the 70 went out and they came back. And they cast out devils. The Bible says he rejoiced in the spirit. In the same way, he gets to the tomb of Lazarus and he weeps. Hallelujah. So, when you are truly spiritual, you also have your emotions. You don't allow your emotions to control you, but you have your emotions intact. Hallelujah. Amen. So, the Bible says that we plant the heavens with our words. It's the words that we speak. Not mere words, but the words that are conceived in the spirit. Words that we receive from God is those words that we use to plant the heavens. Which means that you don't plant the heavens. You don't plant your life. You don't plant the events of your life by just careless words, careless whispers at that man's hand. Amen. But words, amen, that God himself puts in your mouth. Divine words. Isaiah 49 verse 2 says the same thing. He said, he has put his word in my mouth. Amen? He says, he has hidden me in his quiver. You know what the quiver is? He's hidden me in his quiver. He's, my, he's made my mouth like a sharp sword. 
You know what a quiver is. Those who are warriors know what quiver means. Or those who are expert archers. They know how to take an arrow. Dip it in poison. And have a leather case at their backs. And in that leather case have these treated arrows. And when the battle becomes very, very fierce, he takes the arrow from the quiver and shoots it. Which means that the quiver is the hiding place of his well-treated arrows. So God is saying that in our generation, he has reserved some arrows in his quiver. Which means that when the enemy has done his worst, God brings out his best. Thank God because we are God's best. We have been reserved for this very hour. We are a new wine church. When other people have become stale, amen, we are still fresh, still dynamic. Hallelujah. Still bubbly. Hallelujah. Still doing great things. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to Isaiah 57. Verse 13. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 13 says, When thou Christ, let thy company deliver thee, but the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them. But he that put his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountains. Verse 14. And shall say, cast it up. Cast it up. Prepare the way. Take up the stumbling block out of the way of the people. Hallelujah. Let's go to Isaiah 62. We're going somewhere. Amen. Isaiah 62 verse verse, verse 10. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare ye the way of the people. Cast up, cast up the highway. Gather out the stones. Lift up a standard for the people. Lift up a standard for the people. Hallelujah. See, um, when, when, when great spiritual times, when there's so many things that are happening so fast, our confidence must be in the word. The Bible says we are the circumcision and worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ and we have no confidence in the flesh. During this whole plague that we've been hearing about in the past days, we know how there's been such a paralyzing spirit of fear because fear paralyzes and demobilizes you. And the fear is so visible, so tangible so touchable in our time. I'm saying that we're a Christian nation, a foremost Christian nation, but the spirit of fear grips everybody. I've seen more uh, hand sanitizers than ever. When I was coming through London, amen, people were buying hand sanitizers that I believe that by the time we got to Nigeria, there will be no hand sanitizers anymore. At the, um, at, at the immigration point, I could see the immigration officers all had their gloves and some of them were covering their noses. 
So there was this awareness of the environment. And anywhere I went to, I saw people with trepidation and care how they, they hugged and uh, some of them did not even hug. Now, I want to bring out something there. As I was coming, driving to church this morning, I, I passed through the Ikoi Bridge. And I know that a few days ago, uh, the, the, um, the guys that were there, amen, the toll collectors, had gloves and all that. But this morning, I didn't see them with gloves. So I said, they must have heard something new. So knowledge, amen, is power. So they had something that gave them some form of boldness not to be afraid. Now, I went to ShopRite yesterday and I, I saw that there were hand sanitizers, amen, available. But a few days ago, there were not many available. So what happened? Knowledge produced power. And so if we have right knowledge, then what happens? We are empowered. Knowledge multiplies. Bible says grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, but the problem, the flip side is that you might have that knowledge, but is there strength? Because really, what makes you think that is gone? At least there are people who died from it recently. So the confidence really is in the flesh. Maybe you had one or two people got delivered from it. Amen. And so you have confidence. But it's still there. You see, knowledge is important. The only thing that knowledge must be knowledge that is based on the word of God. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. We have no confidence in the flesh. He says, let no man, let the wise man not glory in his, in, in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the knowledgeable man glory in his knowledge. He says, for God has set aside the weak things to confound the things that are strong. The foolish things to confound things that are wise. In order that no flesh will glory in his presence. So God wants me to glory. God wants me to boast. God wants me to be confident. But confident in what? The Bible says there was a man called Hezekiah. A king came and attacked Hezekiah. And the Bible says Hezekiah, even though the odds were against him, he was outnumbered, outmaneuvered by the enemy, the Assyrians, Sennacherib, and Rabshakeh, people who were veterans, people who were, you know, warriors, who had done great things, and they showed the paraphernalia of their conquest, the vestiges of their conquest, wherever they went, how they took kings, amen, and paraded them in the, in the Colosseum, amen, to show their power, their prowess, their expertise in war, in warcraft. And so, it looked as though Hezekiah and the Israelites were next in line to be conquered. But the Bible says that Hezekiah said to the man that our God will help us. Our God will come through for us. And this Assyrian king and his commander-in-chief said, what is the basis for your confidence? Why do you think you will not be like all these other ones? Because he was perplexing. What is, why are you so confident? I am confident that God is with me. Though I pass through the fire, he is with me. Amen. The fire will not burn me or kindle upon me. Though I pass through the waters or I walk through the waters, I will not be overwhelmed. 
because God is with me. So our confidence should be in the fact that God is with us. We live in great times that I will refer to as times of refreshing. The Bible says in Acts 3 verse 19, repent. Amen. And the times of refreshing shall come from God's presence. And then it says, and it shall send Jesus Christ who was preached to you, whom the heavens must retain until the time of restoration of all things, which God has spoken from the foundations of the earth. Amen. Through his prophets. So, if you put those scriptures together, it says that we live in a time of refreshing. A time of revitalization. A time of strengthening. A time of equipment. A time of renewal. Amen? A time of repair of, amen, broken down walls, torn ligaments. A time of refreshing. And also a time of restoration of all things. So whatever has been lost is restored in Jesus' name. Whatever the enemy has stolen by default or by high treason is restored in Jesus' name. Whatever the enemy has taken from you, he will restore a hundredfold. Because when a thief is found, he will restore a hundredfold. I see God going beyond a hundredfold and making you a thousand times more. Deuteronomy 1 verse 10. A thousand times more. Can I hear an amen? A little one shall be a thousand. A small one shall be a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in my time. This is God's time. This is your time. Time of refreshing. This is the time when we need to speak words of faith. Bold words. Words that have been tried and tested. Thank God for our trials. Thank God for our testings. When I was done in that meeting yesterday... The, the, the chairman said, you know what, you should have shared your testimony. Because really, the things that made you who you are today are the things that you went through. So your experiences now become peeps on your shoulder. The things that you have faced and encountered become a trampoline for you to jump on. They become not a stumbling block, but a stepping stone to give you the bounce. So thank God for our experiences because they come in handy. I realized that whatever you look for and you are determined about, you will receive it. If you are determined enough. Now we set up, by the grace of God, I've set up about, 10, about 12 churches. And we, we, we set up about three churches in the U.S. So we started a church in, in Houston. And then later on, we moved on to Dallas. And so my family lives in Dallas. We, we were, we've been pastoring in Boston for about 15 years. So while we were in Dallas, we were transitioning from Houston to Dallas, which is like four hours drive. And on, one, on, the, on, the, on the, in the journey, in the process of moving, of relocating from Houston to, to Dallas... We were driving. We went to. We rented this beautiful SUV, amen. And uh, of course, it was very expensive. And as we were driving, we got to a place called Huntsville. Huntsville is where some years ago the there was a major prison break. One of the one of the worst prison breaks 
in America was in Huntsville, Texas, where they called the seven men who escaped the Texas Seven. So Huntsville, when you drive through that city, you can feel the oppressive spirit in that atmosphere because it's a city known for its prison and for its correction centers. It's just like once when I went to Ghana, I preached for some of my, some of my pastor friends, and we went to the, the place where the slaves were shipped from, amen, into the known world, into the western world, and you can feel the oppressive spirit in that atmosphere, especially in the Elmina castles. So, you know, you respond when you're spiritual, you respond to, you know the atmosphere, you, you understand, you don't just know people, amen, Paul said, we, we says we, we, if we know people, we don't know them in the flesh, we know them in the spirit, so you, your spirit man becomes sensitized, and we must make sure, we must be careful that we don't become desensitized, just like the homosexual agenda in America and other places that is creeping in slowly, you can get to a place where you begin to accept it as a lifestyle, where, you know, many of us, our children, don't when you start talking about this thing even though they are Christians, they feel that you are too judgmental. People become tolerant of those things. You know what? You must get to a place where you are not tolerant. Amen? It's bad and it's bad. Why? Because your spirit man amen, is disgusted by that activity, by that action. And never at any time do you let up, do you let down, you, you must still be firing on all cylinders. This is wrong and it's wrong. Shacking up, not married, is wrong and it's wrong. The Bible talks about, talks about the spirit of holiness. In the book of Romans 1 verse 4, it says Jesus Christ was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. There's a spirit, not just holiness, but spirit of holiness. Hallelujah. And so, you, you realize how we were driving through the city, long expanse of land. The, the way the, um, the speed limits are there is, you see, you can drive 75. Because in Texas, the roads are, are, are wide. So you can be driving 75. It's different from where I was before, where I was in Boston, where everything is, you know, small. You, you, you have just two lanes. Here you can have four lanes. So it's big. So we're driving 75. And then, Later on, abruptly, it becomes 45. So if you are driving and you're not watching, amen, for the speed limit, you can think it's 75 all the way and you speed in and what you have behind you is you hear the siren. And you know, the, the law was made for what? For sinners. Bible, Paul said, when, when sin, when the law came, sin revived, taking advantage of me. So, so the law reminds you that you are a sinner. And so, as we're driving, you see, and then suddenly it it picks up again and becomes 60. And then 75. And then the cycle continues. So, that means that as you're watching, you should be watching with your eyes, ears, nose. You should be driving with everything. So, anyway, as we're driving, I just noticed a police car behind me in Huntsville, Texas. So, as... I just told my children, please make sure you guys are all, you know, everybody's abiding by the law. We drove for a long distance. I made sure I was watching the guy. When I speed, the guy would speed. When I change lanes, and you know, when you change lanes, you must put on your flashers at least 300 meters before you turn. So I was doing everything. Just following. And this guy, when I go in front of another car, 
This guy will pull away from where he is and go be in front of that other car. He was just following me. I said, this guy is tenacious. This guy is determined. And you know, it happened to be that it was because I'm a black man driving this beautiful car. Now, I've experienced this time and time again. There was a time I went to a place called Toledo, Ohio. We were in the train. And when I got to this particular place, my wife and I were changing uh, trains. And what happened next was that they told us, come down from the train. And um, they began to interrogate us, asking us all kinds of questions. And they searched our luggages. And the black people who were at the train station told us, just abide. Don't argue. Why? Because they had become desensitized where they've accepted that this is lifestyle. This is how we should be treated. And so I was careful. I didn't argue against it. And we were the ones who put our foot in our mouth. Because we were in this train amen, before we got to this place and we were talking about Nigeria. And these white guys were listening to us. So they, they, they thought we had, we had shipped some stuff, some white powdery stuff with us. So if only we had kept quiet, amen, we won't have been in that situation. So a lot of us have foot in a mouth disease. Suddenly, I just noticed that this police car just pulled us over. I began to hear the flashes and I said, what is wrong? And it just happened to be that my children who had become tired of this atmosphere, this oppressive atmosphere, who wanted liberty, one of my children had just removed her seatbelt at the back. And so we're pulled over. But thank God they didn't give me a ticket. But they almost treated me like a criminal. But the point there is that, please, listen, listen very, very well. That man was determined to get me. And he was tenacious about carrying out his determination to the extreme. It was literally almost impossible for him not to pull me over. He has set out in his journey with the determination that this man, I will pull him over and I will see what is in his car. What is it? Why does he have this car? What does he have in this car? And he succeeded. And that tells me that if you are determined, strong enough, you are committed to something, you are rugged, absolutely sold out to what you want, you will get it. It doesn't matter if it's behind enemy lines. You will get it. David commended three of his men because all David did was he whispered. These men were sensitive. They knew the heart of their master. I, have, I had a pastor that I served for years. I poured water upon his hands. Pastor Tony Rappel. I literally poured water on his hands. And it was from there that God released me. When, when, when pastor introduced me as a man of prayer, I was not a pastor. I was a man of prayer. I was not planning to be a pastor. I was planning to be just doing my thing out there, but praying, sold out to prayer. But it was in the course of pouring water on the hands of the, of the man of God that God began to give me mine. The Bible says, if you are faithful in somebody else's, he will give you yours. I've seen that the eyes of the Lord, they rain to and fro over the earth, that God might show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. 
I know about service. Remember when Elisha, he was disconnected from the spirit. Something had happened. He was angry. He was a man given to feats of rage. He was a hot-tempered man. And the Bible says that three kings came to seek counsel from him. And Elisha said, I can't speak to you guys. And then he said, suddenly said, you know what? Bring a minstrel. And when the minstrel came and played skillfully, and there must be a place of skillfulness in music, because David says, play skillfully. When this minstrel played, the anointing came on the man of God, and there was a connection. And he was able to prophesy. But one thing happened. Those three kings, before they sought Elisha out, they were in dire straits. They needed a word from the Lord. They didn't need a word from man. Oh, how wonderful it is when you know you're coming to church and you know that, oh, my man of God will always speak the word of God to me. He will not give me a synopsis of what happened last week in the news. He will not amen, give me a, cap, a, a recap of what CNN said last week. I know that when I get to church, it doesn't matter how discouraged I am, I know I'm going to get a word from the Lord. You know, one thing that I know about this man of God is he, he charges, he, he strengthens, and he's a man who has a vision. He's, he's a visionary. And I remember this scripture, amen, in Deuteronomy 3, verse 28. He says, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him that he may possess the land which you, Moses, shall see or has seen this land when he showed me it was just land a few a few months ago it was just land it was we, we used rain boots to come here but he saw something he saw something he's seen something and he will see something and he's strengthening us every Sunday we come here whether it's me whether it's him rather or guest ministers like me we come to follow the vision of strengthening charging encouraging you to follow the vision which he has seen hallelujah so elisha got connected to the flow this man over let me go back the bible says this three kings said we need a word from the lord and he said you know what there's this man of god he pours, his resume is that he pours water upon the hand of Elijah. He said, go, go and get him. He's the man. He has the word. They didn't, they didn't say he prays. He prays fire, brimstone. They didn't say, you know what? He's a dynamic man of God. They didn't say, you know what? He's such a power. They said, no. He pours water upon the hands of Elijah. The word of the Lord must be with him. In an age of selfishness where we have so many men of God. This man, yes, indeed, is a man of God, but he pours water upon the hands of Elijah. This man is a holy man. He passes by us continually. 2 Kings 4 verse 9. Amen. This man pours water upon the hands of Elijah. Can we have people who are pouring water upon the hands of ministers again? upon the servants of God do we have servants or do we have so many masters listen no man can serve two masters it's either he loves one or hates the other you can't serve God and serve self and serve mammon do you seek to please God or do you seek to please man if you please man you can never be a servant of God 
friendship with this world is enmity with God. It's time for us to know that God and God alone will be exalted. But also, God has put in the body five-fold ministries. And he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you in due time. A hand has five fingers. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers. Humble yourself under the hand, amen, of God. And God will exalt you. Recognize those who serve God, who have an authentic gift. And give them their props. Hallelujah. And as we begin to bring the message to a close, these people here in Isaiah, the last two chapters, we, or the last two verses we read, says that they shall go and they shall prepare a way for the people and they shall break through and they shall break forth and they shall remove stumbling blocks, blocks, stumbling, stumbling blocks out of the way, these people. Isaiah was a messianic prophet. Every prophet had his own assignment. So now Isaiah is saying to us that there will be a people, and these people, one of the things that you know about them is that they will break forth they will have breakthroughs because only those who have breakthroughs that can help break through for other people it's only those who God has taught that can touch other people when uh, when um, the pilot when the, the, the people in the aircraft when they tell you um, when the air mask drops first of all use it on yourself before you help somebody else we can't try and help other people when we have not helped ourselves. Peter said, when that man asked him for silver and gold, he said, silver or gold, that's not what you want now. He didn't say, we don't have silver, we don't have gold. Like a lot of people say, pastors, you don't have silver, or you don't have gold. What Peter was saying is that silver or gold, that's not what you need now. If somebody needs prosperity, he doesn't need, you don't preach healing to him because it does not apply to him at that moment. So what he was saying to that man is, you don't need silver, you don't need gold now. What you need is the word of the Lord. So rise up and walk. And so, these people have broken through and they are breaking through for other people. These people have been liberated. You see, God wants people to have liberty so that they can bring other people into liberty they've enjoyed. I love breakthroughs. I love about, I love Perazim where David broke through and people say, my breakthrough has come. But I'm looking beyond that to a people who will enable other people, who will break through for other people, who will raise up stones, cast up stones, lift up a standard for the people. When you lift up a standard for people, you're saying, you know what? God can do it. He's done it for me. God has healed me. He can heal you too. God has delivered me. He can deliver you too. God has set me free. Amen. I'm not living a promiscuous life anymore. Amen. You can do it too. You can live a life of purity in an age of filthiness. You can walk on dry ground like these Israelites walk on dry ground. Can you stand up on your feet? They walk on dry ground. They walk on dry ground in the midst of the sea with the walls of water on the left and on the right. There are people who walk on dry ground. If, if, if Julius Beggar was to do that miracle, they would have, it would have still been 
a marshy. You understand what I'm saying? But God caused them to walk on dry ground. You will walk on dry ground of joy, amen, in the midst of trouble on the left and disaster on the right. You walk on the dry ground of peace when there's unrest on the right hand and anxiety on the left hand. You walk on the dry ground of moral purity when there's evil being spewed out on the right and when there's promiscuity being spewed out on the left. You walk on dry ground of joy. Hallelujah. Where the enemy contends against your joy on the right hand, on the left, you will walk in peace. You walk in joy. You walk in shalom. Amen. Nothing broken. Nothing spoiled. That is your portion. Can you lift up your hands and just begin to bless God? Because you are a breaker. You are a breaker. The breaker's anointing is upon you. You will break through. You will break forth. You are breaking forth today. You are breaking through today. You are doing great things today. Hallelujah. Amen. You are not waiting for anybody. You are the standard bearer. You are the one who breaks the standard. You are the one who sets the standard. You are the one who establishes the city limits. Hallelujah. Mandaraba kosotoria. Randalababa satalaba shata. Hekalababa yandelelele boso. Oh, tabalaba yandele boskata. Embrandolababo sokorianda. Randalababa shanda. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Hela brandalabako sokoria. Randalababa shah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to end now because my time is up. But let me leave you with this thought before I hand over the microphone to either pastor or the next person. David said, I want this water. What water is water? But David said, no, I want the water that is behind the camp of the enemies. The Philistines. The Philistine stronghold. He did not say it to anybody. He just whispered. When I was talking about pouring water upon the hands of the man of God, it's not what the man of God even says or utters, but what was in his heart. I came here primarily to help strengthen the house, to stand with this man of God, because he indeed is a true man of God. So I heard his whispers. You can hear the whisper, even when the pastor does not even say one word, you know what is in his heart. David just whispered, and three men just went, broke through the camp of the Philistines. Three men, which means that it's not how much weaponry is against you, it's what you have on the inside of you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. David and, sorry, Jonathan and one armor bearer were the ones who broke through an enemy's camp. There was only, there's only one sword in the whole of the nation of Israel. That's how small-minded Saul was. But David, but Jonathan was able to break through. Only two people broke through a whole army. In the same way, in this story, three men, three heroes, three men that knew the heart of their leader broke through the camp of their enemy. Amen. I got water for David. Came back, gave David the water and said, Yes, sir take and david said no i can't drink this water the cost is too much it costs you your lives because they broke through you are breaking through today in the name of jesus there's no limit you are breaking forth on the right and on the left you shall possess the gates of your enemies your seed shall possess the gates of your enemies your children shall be mighty on the earth 
your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be your peace. God bless you.